plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You're Locked On Ravens, part of Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Adam Bonacorsi. He's Brian Bauer, both of Russell Street Report fame. Brian, how are you today? Uh, doing good. Very busy today, Adam. Very busy, busy day. Yeah, let's uh, let's uh, not tiptoe around it too much. Today we're going to get into the coaching uh, gaffes, we'll call it. Uh, some of the issues the team has had, uh, offense, defense, special teams, and the head coaching spots. So, uh, Brian, let's go ahead and start with Dean Pease, who I would say is the least of our worries. And that's kind of funny to say, isn't it? We're going into week six, all the concern about Pease over the last few years. Swiss Pease, as he's known, um, <laughs> his defense is the least of my worries. His decision-making has been the least of my worries. And uh, he still has some issues, but I'm not hurting right now. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with you, Adam. I think out of... You know, all three phases, I think Dean Pease is definitely the least of my concerns right now. Um, yeah, he's got a lot of good going for him. Sure, there are the same issues that, that we've kind of seen from him over the years, but he seems to, his in-game adjustments seem to be tightened up, which is the one thing that I have to give him credit for as opposed to years past. Um, you know, looking at some of their defensive rankings right now, and I'm not just talking about yards allowed, but you know, from the big plays uh, to, to the first down averages to their negative plays force, which is something that that's a pretty impressive number when you look at it as well. But uh, yeah, I, I would totally agree with you right now, Adam, that Dean Pease is the least of the Ravens' problems right now. Yeah, and we're talking about you know, it's a it's an internal struggle for me all the time. How much do you put on the coach versus the players? Uh, you know, when it comes to discipline, I put that onus on the coach more so than the players just because he has to drill in. If you see one particular player committing infraction after infraction after infraction, just flags tossed in his direction all the time, uh, a la Frank Walker back in the day. Who's just, he's, my, <laughs> he's my go-to. Anytime I think secondary flags, I think Frank Walker. So, um you know, if it's one particular player, then you can single that player out. But when you look at the entire defense right now, the least penalized unit of the three on the Ravens, that's a big positive for me. And another thing on that note, there has not been a single defensive pass interference penalty. And I say this every week, kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And right. here it comes. Here, There's been two uh, illegal contact downfield within a 10-yard range. Um, not a single pass interference penalty downfield yet. So the team hasn't given up, or the defensive unit hasn't given up that big penalty play in a game yet. They've sure uh, compensated themselves for that with a slew of penalties and short-yarded situations to add up, as we saw a couple weeks ago with Oakland breaking the century mark. But um, Dean Pease seems like he has a good grasp of uh, what this unit is, how to get them going. I think my, my one bugaboo, if you will, is that he still does not disguise what he's doing. There's no movement. It's very vanilla. It's, right. it's hard for me to expect this defense to catch a unit off guard by showing your hand. Uh, you know, I'm going to go play blackjack at the casino. 
and <laughs> the dealer's going to show me his hand, and I'm going to know exactly what to do if I want to fold or if I'm going to you know hit. So, um, you know, that and the the sack issue in the last few weeks, one sack, two weeks. Right. It's kind yeah, of uh, it's, it's concerning. Kind of concerning. It definitely is concerning for sure, but, uh, you know, I also look at their third down percentage rate that offenses are completing against them, and, you know, they only, they've only given up 33.8% here on, on third downs, which, you know, last year that was exactly was their issue. They, their struggle to get off the field on third downs, you know, it kind of plagued this defense last year. And as of right now, um, yes, they, they still have trouble with it, but it but it is improving game by game. Yeah. So – the defense we've touched on, and I'm glad there's not more to talk about on that front. <laughs> but let's go over to Jerry Rosberg and the special teams unit, which have had some serious issues. Now, the the plus, uh, the silver lining, if you will, uh, the blocked field goals and extra points the team's had this year, Tavon Austin returning a ball for two-point conversion on a blocked kick. Um, you know, there's there's been a couple good things out there, and I, I recall Hester having maybe one – uh, noteworthy return mm-hmm. of somewhere in the 50-yard ballpark. Other than that, ugh. Yeah, it truly has been atrocious. I mean, yes, Larry, let's start with the good, okay? Justin Tucker, Sam Cook. okay, let, let's start with that. He's perfect on field goal attempts this year. I think, what, 11 or 11? 11 for 11, I believe. Right. Okay, let, let's get all the good out of the way, okay? Sure, we are going sure. to sit here and acknowledge that, acknowledge that they're, they're blocking a field goals, yada, 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 yada. But let's sit here and look at these coverage units for Jerry Rossberg. Practiced after the practice, Adam. Special teams drills are hammered in him. Guys, these young guys on special teams. The Ravens have always been known for a thriving special teams team, if you will. If if you're going to make a roster, it's going to start on special teams, and that's something the Ravens hold near and dear to their hearts. Right. But let's look at these coverage units right now. The numbers are not in front of me right now, but one thing I can tell you is the fact that they have given up more yards on kick returns and punt returns already and we're entering week six than they have all of last year. That's sad. That's that's the best adjective I could come up with there. That's sad. That really yeah, yeah. is. And, and Rosberg being what, the longest tenured coach on this staff right now. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and and another thing here is it makes me question, Adam, just how big of an impact Rosberg has when it comes to decision-making on who dresses and who doesn't dress on game days. Because let, let, let's look at this. You have Matt Judon, who was an inactive, again. Kamalea Correa, inactive again. But yet you have Chris Carter who is, okay, he had a great game during the preseason against another team's second stringers, all right? But but when you want to make him active because of his special team's ability as opposed to Correa and, and Matt Judon's, I have a big problem with that because these are two guys that could, that, that especially Judon, who, who could impact the Ravens' defense as well, and and yet he's sitting on the sidelines because, you know, while he does play teams, it, it's it's safe to say that he that he's not very good at them. No, uh, you know, it's 
it's extremely hard to watch. And the touchdowns they've given up this year are so uncharacteristic. And I think that's what's harder for us. And you mentioned it. The Ravens have always been known to have a very talented special teams unit. It may not be on the return game, but at least on the protection downfield, on on the kicking side of things, everything's been kosher there. Um, so when you see something like this happen, this is, you know, not that I can possibly put this on the same level, but it would be like, hey, Tom Brady's really struggling right now. What's going on? And, you know, in Baltimore, this is, hey, our special teams are giving up these huge chunks of yards. And as much as we can look at, you know, Dean Pease's defense in the Oakland game, giving up that touchdown at the end of the game to uh, kind of solidify the loss for us or the offense unable to drive the length of the field in the final two minutes, you can definitely say in the past two weeks at least – the special teams unit has actually hurt this game and could have very well changed the final score of this game, especially last week with that uh, the uh, kicker turn for the touchdown by Jameson Crowder. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think a lot of this issue, if John Harbaugh could kind of address this somewhat um, as to why this issue it is, it says, you know, now we have special team players who are starting on defense and the young guys aren't going to step up and play special teams, I guess. So, you know, here's guys that, that made a living on special teams, you know, the Albert McClellans of the world. All right. He kind of reminds me of Brendan Iambadejo from back in the day, special oh, teams ace. But, you know, these guys are having a bigger role on defense, which means they're seeing little you know, they're not being relied on heavily on the special teams unit where these younger guys are now being relied on and they're just not up to task right now. So maybe that's what we're seeing. However, in order for them to be given up, already given up, the amount of yards that they have total last year is ridiculous. And ultimately, if you look at the game against Washington last week, that was their offense in the first half of that I football agree 100%. game. And it, and it let them hang around that football game, and, you know, we, we saw what happened after that. I agree. So uh, let's uh, take a deep breath, do a little yoga <laughs> real quick, and uh, try to calm ourselves down. And uh, we will go ahead, take a quick break, and come right back. But first, guys definitely want to get out there, check out the Locked On NFL podcast with Matt Williamson, as well as the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast as well. Definitely both something I check out on a weekly basis, see what's going on around the league, and try to save myself from my two 1-4 teams uh, that are just absolutely killing my confidence week in and week out right now. So we'll be back. You're Locked On Ravens, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. All right, Brian, we touched on Dean Pease. We touched on Jerry Rosberg and the special teams. Now let's go beat up the offense. And first, we'll talk about uh, the former Ravens offensive coordinator, Mark Tressman, and what he was able to do with this offense. A whole lot of passing, not a lot of running, way too many uh, touches for Joe, too many attempts for Joe. 
not enough for the running backs, and I, I'm pretty sure you'll agree, as will the rest of Baltimore, as will the rest of the NFL fans, as will any person who you show numbers to. Mark Tressman killed himself this week, and he basically, it's almost as if he didn't want to be here anymore, because if you're... No, if you know the only way to save your job is to run the ball and you still don't do it, you're pretty much saying, nah, it's cool. I'm done. I'm on my way out the door. He's already, you know, one foot out of Harbaugh's office looking at the next opportunity, which uh, will probably be like, what, a D2 college maybe? Uh, You know, we'll see. I would love to see him end up on the sideline of like a track team. Like, all right, guys, we're not going to run though. We're just going to stand here. So. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and to kind of piggyback on what you're saying as well, if you know your job is kind of swinging in a balance here, um, you, you truly didn't put together the best resume whatsoever of your your last game. Obviously, the Ravens didn't uh, convert a single first down after the first quarter against Washington, who, oh, by the way, ranked last in the league on third down conversions, defending third down conversions, by the way. Yep. And, and, and to piggyback on top of that, when, when you know you're supposed to run the ball and running the ball was what allowed your offense to move down the field during that first drive of the game. You know, quite frankly, I thought it was going to be a blowout after that first drive, the way oh, they were moving the ball with these. 100%. But the mere fact you have seven runs after the second quarter versus the 30th ranked run defense and – Terrence West has four of those and only one run in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the writing's on the wall there for you, guy, and I, I can help drive you to the airport if you need a lift. <laughs> so, and, and I've told this anecdote before. Um, I, I had a buddy, or have a buddy, who's a Bears fan, and when we hired Tressman, I was all excited. You know, we, we came from the days of run, run, pass, and, and what have you, and I wanted more passing game, and I was excited, but I was also tempering my expectations, not expecting to be pass happy, if you will. Um, and, and my buddy just basically laughed at me and said, yeah, okay, uh, enjoy that. He'll be gone in a couple of years. And right. went back and forth. So, short story, I had to write an email and apologize so that he would have it in writing because he was right and I was clearly wrong. Right. And and anytime Joe Flacco is leading the league in pass attempts, there's a problem. Oh, now, I, lo- I, I love Joe Flacco. I will not take anything away from his ability to sling the ball. But when he leads the league in pass attempts, there's a huge problem. Not to mention, when two of Terrence West's 11 runs were over 25 yards or more, and the Ravens had zero completions for more than 15 yards against the Redskins, yeah, step into my office because that, again, is why Marty Morningwig is now the new offensive coordinator heading into week six. I agree. So uh, let's let's jump over to Marty now because, you know, Tressman's gone. No need to continue that conversation anymore. Uh, Morning Morning Wig has been around the league for, what, a couple dozen years now? About 20 years? Yeah. 20 years or so? Yeah. So um, bring some good stuff to the table here. Uh, a lot of optimism. Everybody's, you know, talked about it in the last week, but uh, we'll, we'll touch on it a little more. Um, Hopefully people aren't paying attention to his last few seasons as an offensive coordinator with the New York Jets and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Not exactly the best offenses. Final three years. uh, Last year with the Eagles and uh, his only two years with the Jets, his uh, Mm -hmm. points per game on offense ranked 29th, 29th, and 28th respectively. But when you go back and you actually look at the players he had, 
uh, especially at the quarterback position, Nick Foles, Michael Vick, Geno Smith, Vince Young, Kevin Cobb, in this final handful of years, doesn't really look that good. Uh, can't can't pin too much, and we'll go back to it again. How much is the coach versus the players? In right. that instance, I'm putting the bulk of that on the players because that is not who you want out there leading your team on offense. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you have Josh McDaniels out there, Kubiak, whoever it may be. If you're telling me you're going to go out there and have a top five offense with Kevin Cobb or Nick Foles, I'm going to call you a liar. Um, That being said, his final two seasons as an offensive coordinator with the Jets, 2013 and 2014, he did have the sixth and third ranked run offenses with Chris Ivory as the lead back. So there's a silver lining for you, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, we're we're entering week six. Okay, there's not enough time to revamp this entire offensive system before the Ravens take the field Sunday against the Giants. That being said, uh, John Harbaugh did confirm today that uh, you know they are going to run the same offense. However, uh, and Marty is going to be responsible for the for has complete responsibility for the game plan this week as well. While they're still going to be running the same offense, some of the terminology is slightly different. Okay, but let's look at Marty's system. Let's break down Marty's system real quick. Okay, obviously, it's a timing offensive system. Everything from slants to skinny posts route, quarterback drops, three-step, five-step drops. And last but not least, and this is where Mark Tressman failed, where I do have the highest confidence in, in Marty is creating mismatches because let's look, let's look now, you know, the rate Tressman was not putting his key players in positions to succeed. Now that being said, we got two vertical threats with, with Mike Wallace, who, Oh, by the way, was wearing a red contact Jersey today and, and Brashad Perryman, two guys that could stretch the field. How many times have we seen, have, have we seen that this season? I could count them on one hand. I may be able to count them on no hands, actually, because I can't tell you the last time I saw the two of them both heading downfield to stretch the defense. One, yeah, Perriman, I don't think I've seen him maybe run uh-huh. two routes now, more than 15 yards. Right, so. and, and, and and he's a guy who's going to get the run, get, run game going. There, There's going to be more balance now, I do believe, with, with Marty running the show, and I think we're going to see – Less vertical threats running horizontally across the field, finally, um, you know, which allows those tight ends to actually work the middle of the field. Prior to Steve Smith getting hurt last week, he is a godsend when it comes to finding those soft spots in the middle of the field, and I and I hope to see more of it moving forward. You know, with Morningwig now calling the shots. Yeah, and the other part of that equation is player buy-in, and I just don't know if the players well. I I think it's fair to say <laughs> that the players and Tressman were not on the same page before. Um, based on some of the comments we've seen today um, in the wake of the release of Mark Tressman, uh, Joe Flacco, Dennis Pitt, amongst others, uh, you know, understanding a change is needed. So I'm hoping, and I, I think we'll be able to figure it out pretty quickly, how the players feel about this new well, quote-unquote new system under Marty Uh, and on that note too Brian you had mentioned that John Harbaugh said the system staying the same we're just letting Marty call the plays I'm pretty sure that the system was supposed to stay the same after Kubiak when uh, 
Trestman was hired. And wasn't that the plan? We're not changing right. the zone blocking scheme. Right. We're going to do the same thing we did before. And I think even to the untrained eye, which I have, so I could attest for it, it was not the same thing at all. Not even close. So, um, you know, I, I take Harbaugh's comments with a grain of salt um, and I guess just hope for the best because what more can you do at this point? Uh, you know, five games in, you, every game's a one-score game. You've lost your last two games by a combined seven points, um, and you really can put the bulk of those losses on the coaching staff and some of the decisions they made. So, And uh, speaking of which, Brian, we're going to take a break, and we will come back and talk about those head coaching decisions with John Harbaugh and uh, what we think about him. But again, uh, guys, go out and check out the rest of the Locked On Ravens group out there. Uh, Ken McCusick, Tony Lombardi, Josh Soroka, amongst others. A lot of good content out there, uh, more than we're giving you. Obviously, we're the best, though, so keep <laughs> that in mind, guys. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's grab a quick break. We will be right back. You're Locked On Ravens. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. All right, Brian, we've hit the trifecta, special teams, defense, offense, and now we come to the pinnacle with John Harbaugh and the head coaching decisions in this 2016 season. Um, find me someone who's feeling warm fuzzy. I'd like to meet them because some of the moves that have been made, the decisions that have been made, um, you know, I think the best thing John's done this year is fire Mark Dressman, and I'll leave it at that. So uh, what's what's your take, Brian? Yeah, I mean, let, look, we know John. John it can be, I don't know, let, let's put it nicely here, shall we? John could be, he's a great leader of men. The way he kept this locker room, the Ravens locker room intact last season, you know, had these guys fighting every ounce of the way despite all the injuries and things like that. But look, Harbaugh can be one of the most arrogant head coaches in the NFL, if not top two or three, in my opinion. Um you know, he does – he is an aggressive head coach, and we see a lot of times that his aggression there fails. So, you know, there have been – definitely been some questionable decisions as of late. I mean, all we got to have to do is go back to last Sunday against against Washington, and then we can see some of those as well. But that being said, there comes a time where a great manager of, of, of players has to – answer for some of the actions here you know he he says oh i don't get too involved with the offense i don't get too involved with the defense well here you go and and if it is your coordinators making these calls and you have in their backs you know sooner or later something has to give and right now you know to me depending on how this year kind of kind of kind of pans out john harbaugh's seat is getting a little warmer than what we thought it was going to be i agree so I think one of my biggest issues I've had with Harbaugh this season is defending his plays that don't work. So you look at the fake field goal, and again, let's put a little asterisk on this because it very well could have and should have worked. And you watch that play again, and Crockett Gilmore slips. 
coming off the line. Had he not slipped, he would have been wide open. The defender wouldn't have been able to catch up to him, and Tucker could have just lobbed it right over the head, which he was trying to do. But you could even see that he hesitated because the separation wasn't there. He held off as long as he could, and there was not much more he could do. But it didn't work. You lost the game by six. You kick it. You you kick the field goal there instead. It's a three point game. Your offense was in range to tie it up in the final two minutes. The week before, uh, again some coaching decisions uh, made on fourth downs, uh, made on two point conversions. You name it. There, there's been some seriously, seriously questionable decisions. But we beat on Mark Tressman in the past because Tressman wouldn't just run the ball and do the logical thing in football, especially when you've lost two games on bad coaching decisions, you need to do the smart and logical thing, which for me will always be take the points. If you are in range, take the points. If it's not anywhere close to the final minutes of the game, take the points. You always take the points. He going for two points with 18 minutes left in the game made right. no sense at all. Going for a fake field goal, you know, in that wind, and that's what made that one worse. Mm-hmm. It is ridiculous windy. You know, first damn being at the game, getting constantly whipped in the face from every which direction. And and I will tell you, sitting right around the 45, I look to the left post and the flags are blowing in. I look to the right and the flags are blowing in. That's how bad it was swirling. Wow. So, you know. It was just not a smart call, and not necessarily because it didn't work. Because even if it did work, there'd still be people questioning. I'd still be questioning it, saying, yeah, it worked. Yeah, we won the game, but that was way too ballsy of a move to make that early in the game. You don't need to have a fake. You don't need the seven. You know, Your offense just marched down the field and scored with ease. There's no reason that you need to do this. So, you know. I just and and being stubborn about it, saying you defend your decision, you do it all over again. Why? Why would you do something like that all over again? Why not take the short shot with a kicker who's what second most accurate kicker in NFL history and the most accurate kicker this year? Uh, Why not use the resources you had? Again, making a Tressman comparison. A big issue with Tressman is not utilizing the weapons he has to his fullest. Harbaugh has Justin Tucker sitting there. And he's going to, you know, nah, that's all right. We're going to go ahead and try a fake here, Justin. You go ahead and line up from the right side instead of left or, or vice versa. Um, it just it didn't make any sense to me at all. So right. I just um, um, I'm hurting. I, for <laughs> lack of word, I'm just I'm hurting. I'm watching him and I'm, I'm fist clenching and it's it's frustrating. It's very, yeah. very frustrating. And, and what's even more frustrating is you take everything you just said. Okay, and and let's bring out the obvious things here about Joe, or about John Harbaugh. His clock management skills are atrocious. Oof. Okay, his 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 lack of timeouts or calling timeouts at improper moments. Let's go back to that play before the fake field goal. There, you know, that's for that third down play right there. Big time head scratcher. Yeah, I, I'm not understanding it. It almost he it almost appeared to me. He said, "Look, even if we don't get any yards on this play." that it's okay because we're going to automatically run the fake right after that. Anyway. It's like he knew what he was well, doing. Well, it's like, minutes. right. Like, like they set that play up to run the fake play instead of trying to, yeah. you know, get to the sticks, which, you know, drives me insane too. But, you know, all in all, I mean, I, I do like John Harbaugh. 
I think he is the guy for the job. He can be a little standoffish. Well, he is a little standoffish, actually, regarding you know different things and being second-guessed. But, you know, all in all, I, I mean, I'm not really too concerned as of now that, that they're looking for replacements for him right now. But, uh, you know, he, he does not go without fault in any of this. That's for sure. I agree. And I think the point to make is some of these decisions in the last few weeks have been head scratchers because it's not typical hardball head scratching. You know, the, the time management and uh, the two-minute drill or however you want you know, spin that. That's always been an issue of his. These are just added issues. So I think the point to take away with Harbaugh is if it's going to continue, then it will heat that seat pretty quick. If he can start making smarter play calls or smarter decisions on the field, I don't think we'll have that issue anymore. I think people will settle down and, uh, you know, win or lose, they'll they'll start taking it in stride a little bit with John as long as he's making the right calls and we're not losing games based on coaching decisions that should have never been. Yeah, I, I totally would agree with that, Adam. But, you know, we'll see moving forward. Yeah, hopefully this change of personnel kind of lights a fire under everybody, including John. Yeah, I agree. So, all right, Brian, let's go. Uh, let's go find a guy who sells Xanax on the street corner now. <laughs> so, all right, you guys, I appreciate it. Thank you, Locked On Ravens, part of Locked On Podcast Network. We'll be back next time, going over the Week Six matchup with the New York Giants. Take care, everybody. Have a good day. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. The list.